Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's Livin' the Breen with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Breen. This week on Live in the Bream, uh, somebody who is going to have a major role in the coming weeks in deciding historic uh, things of importance in this country. Uh, we have West Virginia GOP Senator Shelley Moore Capito with us, and she does so many things outside the Beltway that we're going to talk about as well. But, Senator, let's start there. Welcome to Live in the Bream. Thanks. Great to be on, Shannon. Thank you. Okay, so as you and I are talking, we the House is getting ready to send over the articles, we believe, mm-hmm. uh, and possibly launching this thing within days officially over in the Senate. What do you make of the Democrats' continued insistence, and primarily the Speaker, in holding the articles back, saying that there's no way there's going to be a fair trial, that the Senate Majority Leader's also already signaled that he would sign on to a, um, a resolution to dismiss this whole thing, and it's just not going to be fair and transparent for the American people? You know, I, the way I, first of all, I cannot figure out uh, Speaker Pelosi's strategy. In my view, holding uh, these articles for 34 days or however many they have, uh, it's been at least that many, I believe, uh, sort of uh, belies the political argument that this is a partisan exercise because they, they're saying, oh, it's so urgent and the president is a, a national uh, uh, concern for everybody and that's why we need to move forward with this urgency. And then she holds them. We, I can't figure that out. Uh, I, I don't think that um, – I know that spe- uh, uh, Leader McConnell – is absolutely uh, not going to offer uh, articles to dismiss right away. He's never said that. He's never said that in private, and he's never said that in public. Uh, and that sort of grinds me that she is trying to, you know, portray him as being not trying to be fair. Uh, and so I think what you see now is I think she had pressures from her caucus. I don't know exactly, but I would imagine to move forward. Uh, she still won't tell you who the managers are. She's still uh, pressing to get the Senate to do the the process that she wants. And so in the end, I, I think she's gotten nowhere and probably has less attention from the public than she had when she started. The interesting thing is there are plenty of headlines out there. I'm sure you've seen them. I've read them over the last few days saying this was a masterful stroke and that she has won important victories along the way. Um, and she has also said the Senate will be held accountable if this thing is not uh, fair. I don't know what leverage she has. I don't know if by accountable she means at the ballot box. If if it appears that the Republicans in the Senate haven't been fair, whether they pay with their Senate seats. Um, but she continues to speak as if she is the one who has the upper hand here. And I think that's been baffling for a lot of people, but not for the mainstream media. Well, no, but I mean, I think, you know, politically for her and for her caucus, she almost has to, uh, whether it's it's real or imagined. And I think it's imagined. I think that she thought that she could uh, prevail upon at least three or four members of our Republican caucus to buck uh, Leader McConnell when he said we're going to do the procedures that we that were done under the Clinton administration. Uh, she was unsuccessful there. And uh, I think now you see them using and, and, sh- and she and others. I saw this on the Sunday show. This terminology of cover up, Mm -hmm. like we are covering something up. And I I think it's because the substance of where of where they're where they've gone, uh, they feel that it's it's weak. 
and their case is weak. And, they, and, and so I think that's a problem. I mean, I, I don't want to prejudge. I'm going to be a juror. I'm going to listen to everything. But I don't think that she's uh, created any kind of um, momentum for her to be able to change the process or refine the process through the Senate rules. There's, that's just not going to happen. Where are you on the issue of witnesses? Because people say, okay, well, then why shouldn't John Bolton and Mick Mulvaney and others who were close to this, uh, possibly Don McGahn, that's tied up in a court battle right now. But why shouldn't they come forward and testify? If they have information and the president says he's done nothing wrong, why shouldn't they? Well, I think there's some disagreement within the Republican caucus. There are people that are very much, uh, and I think have been outspoken to say they they want witnesses. But I think uh, mostly all 53 of us are united behind the process that the leader has, has spelled out. And that is, we're going to hear the House managers talk about the articles of impeachment. We're going to hear the president for the first time through his lawyers defend himself. We Nobody's had a chance to hear that. Then we're going to be able to question as senators through writing, not mm-hmm. uh, not verbally, uh, through writing through the chief justice. And then we're going to have a vote as to whether we should have more witnesses. So when I have the press asks me in the hall, are you going to vote for witnesses? I'm going to wait until I hear these two sides of the story uh, as a juror and then make that determination, much like was done with President Clinton. Well, I imagine there could potentially be the president has said he would exert executive privilege if it comes to someone like John Bolton. Which kicks it right back to um, the courts. And the Democrats had said on the House side they couldn't afford to wait for the for the um, courts to make a decision on things like the McGahn right. subpoena and others, which are, you know, we could get a decision during this process, which may impact the potential witnesses that may or may not be called um, by the Senate. But it sounds like there's the potential for this thing to really drag out. And most polls show us the American people are pretty evenly split on this. But in key swing states and other places, people have a, almost a little bit of scandal fatigue. We see that among independent voters that they have they they just can't even distinguish where Mueller runs into Ukraine runs into impeachment um and maybe democrats had thought this would play better with the public uh, but what's your assessment if this thing goes five, six, seven weeks, you know, tied up in court battles and beyond. Well, first of all, I don't I hope it doesn't go that long, because what I hear at home is uh, maybe fatigue, but more frustration that we're not doing things that we should be doing. Uh, We are going to be doing a trade agreement, hopefully in the next several days, but also things like transportation bill with opioid problems. I mean, I could name a lot of things that we we could and should be working on drug prices, etc. And so there's a frustration from the general public on that. And I think that sort of grinds. Is, so if you get into a grinding process of seven and eight weeks with stops and starts, because if it has to go to the, to the courts, it's going to have to stop mm-hmm. and then resume. And I don't think anybody wants. Well, I don't know. Any, I don't think I want that. I know I don't want that. I'll speak for myself. You're a no there. vote on that. I am a no vote on dragging it out. And and at the other, you have to look at what this is. I mean, what this is is it's a it's it's like the grand jury is presenting their case. The case has already been formulated. You can't keep adding on and and well, if I talk to John Bolton, then I might want to talk to Susie Bolton, and then I might want to talk to another person that that might be uh, uh, related in some way to the case, but not to the actual articles of impeachment. And you can see where that could go. So I think we have to be very careful here that we stick with the parameters that the House set out and uh, and that we listen openly and that we hear what what uh, what the president's folks are saying, but also what the House managers are saying and then try to get to questions that are going to be important to us. But uh, to drag it out, uh, I think that just even dissipates even more. I think that strengthens the president, quite frankly. OK, so you mentioned a couple of other things. There's so many other things that are potentially bring up there. I heard today 
today, I think it was Senator Thune, I'm not sure, um, that said possibly trying to get USMCA, the big trade deal done, right. and the War Powers Act potentially uh, before a Senate trial formally kicks off. Um, that's a tight timeline. Do you think either of those or both of those are possible? Well, what we see right now, I serve on appropriations, uh, EPW, Environment and Public Works, and also on the Commerce Committee, which has to um, ratify the USMCA. So we already did that in uh, Environment and Public Works. Tomorrow, we're going to be ratifying it through commerce and through appropriations. And the reason I know it's going to be successful is because you can't amend it. So it's just a straight up down Mm -hmm. vote. And in uh, Environment and Public Works, we only lost four people. So it was pretty overwhelming votes there. I think we feel that we will have a chance to um, to consider that, and uh, and I think it'll be a bipartisan victory for the president and for really for our American workers, and and I think that's most important. Uh, even even one of uh, of the Democrats that voted against it in committee said this is much much better than what NAFTA was, um, but he still voted no because of other considerations. So on the War Powers Act, the latest I heard at lunch today, so several hours ago, was that uh, Senator Kane is going to withdraw his first War Powers Act in favor of his second. Uh, now this could change in in front in, in favor of his second resolution, which will have more broad based support. Uh, and uh, he won't be able to actually bring that up probably until next week. So I don't think that's going to be on the agenda okay. this week. We and expect to be sworn in as jurors with the Supreme Court justice being j- sworn in either late mm-hmm. Wednesday or Thursday morning. Yeah, once this thing gets going, there's really a schedule that dictates what you do and mm-hmm. how the Senate moves through this. Mm-hmm. But on the war powers issue, there was something passed over in the House. Um, you know, the Speaker was not thrilled when people uh, explained it as having not teeth. I mean, that it wouldn't get to the president. It's not going to get to his right. desk. It doesn't have the force of law. How is what you're hearing in the Senate different or the same as that? Well, the resolution that um, that Senator Kane has put forward actually does have the force of law if it's passed through both houses, both through the Senate and the House and to the president's desk, where the president would probably in all likelihood veto that and it would come back to us. Uh, so it it's it's called a joint resolution. Um, what the speaker did was a concurrent resolution. This is in the weeds, but a concurrent resolution is sort of a sense of the House. It, it doesn't really have a statement. It makes a statement. It's, it's a messaging. Uh, right. It's a messaging instrument. And so what we're working on now in the Senate is, is much more um, is deeper and much more has much more teeth in it. Mm-hmm. What is your sense? There are a number of Republican senators who have come forward publicly to say with some tweaks, they could sign on to what Senator Kane mm-hmm. has done. And that this is a congressional obligation and duty to weigh in on these things and that it's proper, it's the proper role for Congress to be getting involved. With I think this. this is a debate that we uh, we should have ongoing. Uh, when we consider that our presence in Iraq is was established in the early 2000s and we're still there uh, and in uh in a military um, format. And so I think there's been a lot of question as to what uh, what kind of powers Congress has to either cease or what the president has to do to come forward. But I'm going to vote against the World Powers Act uh, that Senator Kane has forward because I feel like, number one, we're not with, at war with Iran. We uh, do not have... Um, a military presence in the state or in the country. Uh, We are not, um, uh, you know, uh, shooting missiles into Iran or anything of that nature, but we know it's a tenuous situation. And so I I don't want to do anything that would tie any chief executive's hands to be able to react, to be able to defend Americans uh, that are in danger or to be able to 
retaliate when our American uh, soldiers or civilians are are killed or harmed. And so I I view this as as that as a tying of the hands of the president. Plus, I think. You have to look at what it does externally when you go, you know, around Iran and you say to yourself, if you're in Iran, well, look, the Americans are split on all this. We're, we're, we're having an effect. And I think that that could be um, detrimental to us and to the president. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, I want to talk to you as well because in West Virginia, you've been battleground for a really tough time with the opioid mm-hmm. epidemic. What is going on in that front? You know, things are getting better. Uh, they're not uh, they're not solved because I think it's such a tough problem to even begin to think you could solve it. But we've attacked this problem at the federal level by law enforcement, by health care, by uh, job training, drug courts, um, uh, medical assisted treatment. I mean, I could go on and on with all the different facets of how do you get a handle on this. But what I'm most proud of in my states, because we are the high, we have this highest mortality uh, from uh, drug overdoses per capita than any other state, sadly. Very sad statistic for me to say about my home state. But the solutions that are coming uh, coming forward are coming from our local um, community uh, health organizations, uh, our fire chief, our uh, educational institutions, our uh, city governments. And we're really coming together with some real good community responses, crisis response teams where you go, somebody has an overdose in the, in the emergency room. They want out right away. Well, you just send them back out. What are they going to do? Overdose again, come back. Instead, this crisis response team goes out and says, we're here to help whenever you're ready. Uh, we also have active programs with babies, uh, with our children. We have 7,000 more children in foster care. We have grandparents raising children all over the state. Um, and so, and we also just built in some flexibility in this last uh, appropriations bill because the medication assisted treatment doesn't have the flexibility to treat meth because a meth overdose is different than a heroin or fentanyl. So we are being very active along with the research to do, you know, diversion treatment for pain, uh, smaller prescriptions, um, all kinds of things are going on at NIH that I've been very supportive. So, I mean, I'm optimistic, but it's just a long haul. And you don't know what the what the overall damage is going to be to that five or six year olds that's been raised in a, a household of uh, continual overdoses or mom and dad don't even care if I get food, etc. So I think those are problems that we still have yet to face. Mm-hmm. Plus, we've got prevention things that we're doing as well to try to. And the first lady's been very active with that, particularly with the babies. Okay, and as as we're getting ready to move toward a phase one. Part of a China deal, trade right. deal. Do you think we're doing enough when it comes to cracking down on them with regard to fentanyl and their role in this whole thing? Well, they have um, agreed to declare fentanyl a, um, a, a category one or whatever their equipment, uh, whatever their equivalent would be, and have pledged to crack down because that's where a lot of it's coming. It's coming through our mail system too, which is really scary. 
I'm I'm satisfied that they've moved in the right direction, but I also know enough to know that you can't really trust uh, what they're telling you. You have to see the action, and uh, I think that um, we're just going to keep the pressure on. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that, I think that's part of the stage one agreement that the president is to keep maximum pressure on that on the Chinese. Yeah, he's brought that up quite a bit. Uh, I had the chance to go out and join you with something you've been doing for a long time. Um, you have this program, Girls Rise Up. Mm-hmm. I had so much fun just the day with you with these young women middle school, such a critical age. Um, and to see them, even in just a couple of hours that we were there with them, to see mm-hmm. them kind of open up right. and um, start to talk about their dreams a little bit and self-confidence and all the things that you emphasize for them. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about this program. Well, I decided as the first woman senator from my state that I wanted to have a um, a more lasting effect on some of the young young girls and young women in my state. And one way to do that would be to inspire the next generation of of leaders, whether it's in in the journalism business or whether it's in public service or whatever. Just and and so you were great to come, and I oh, want to tell so all fun. your listeners. I thought, well, somebody's going to drive us. No, Shannon drove us into the. <laughs> I was on my best behavior. I would like you to know. Little parts of West driving. Virginia, <laughs> yeah, the curvy roads of West Virginia. So I was totally impressed with that, and they loved you because you and I talked about well, when you were in sixth grade, what. Mm-hmm. What bothered you? Confidence is a lot at that age for girls. And we know we went through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you, to get your confidence, to get your feet under, you realize you can make mistakes. You can rebound from mistakes. You can find your passions. Uh, you can find your support groups. And, and, you know, I was afraid of things, uh, then that I now do every day. So I think, um, it really makes an impression on them. They seem to really enjoy it. And maybe someday one of them will come up to my daughter and say, uh, you know, I saw your mom. Uh, I saw your mom. She's a senator. And now I'm, you know, president of the United States or something like <laughs> That's that. That's right. Yeah. Who knows in the group that we and, talked to? Yeah, it's fun. And we've had lucky to have you. We had Nikki Haley. We've had some of the sports teams around West Virginia. And then I go out by myself. But I always like to take somebody with me who's younger because <laughs> I think they look at me like, oh, grandma, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I luckily... Um, have the wonderful and talented Anna as my assistant, yes. who is 23 years old. And everything about social media that I don't know, oh, yeah. um, I learned from her. That's so good. when I said to the girls at this thing in, in um, West Virginia, I asked them about TikTok as if I know anything about mm-hmm. how that works. Mm-hmm. But thanks to Anna, I know that it exists at least. So we try to seem like we know something that these kids are going through. Because right. we got a lot of hands with that. They were definitely into that. They were. Um, it, it's a different way than you and I grew up. I, I mean, know. With social media, different pressures and different stresses. Um, by the way, one of the ways I deal with stress, and I have heard this about you too, is that you were a runner. Yes. And I was so impressed to find out that you recently did your first marathon. I did. Because I did one years ago, and that was it. I'm one and done. That's not happening again for me. Um, but the fact that that was your first one, do you think you'll do others? No. <laughs> You're like I am me. totally one and done. And I've always wanted to do it because I'll run three or four miles mm-hmm. several times a week. And I wanted, I'd done a half marathon and I thought, well, I, I can do this. I'm exercising. I had no idea. I Ooh. was so sore when I got out of there. I mean, I was 66 years old. I'm, I'm Bravo. finished. Yeah. But, uh, Senator Barrasso, <laughs> who's an orthopedist, yes. I had problems with one of my knees in training. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, do you think I should really do this? And he goes, uh, if you can run through the pain, do it. Well, I got yeah. to mile 19. And I was hurting. I I did the Marine Marathon. It was pouring the rain that day. It was terrible Mm -hmm. weather. My shoes were like soaked in through my socks. And then it got to be 78 degrees and the sun's bearing down. And you're you're soaking wet. And I was so afraid I was going to get cut off for being too slow. But I didn't. (laughs) Good for you. And uh, I made it. But boy, I paid for it. But my knee's fine now.
Oh, good. Yeah. Well, good. So no lasting damage. This no. is how slow I was when I ran the Pittsburgh Marathon, <laughs> which unfortunately is a very hilly course. I should have checked right. that out before I did it. Um, there was a guy who was doing it for charity, and he was jumping rope the entire way. <laughs> and I stayed with him the entire time. That's how slow yeah. I was going. But by that day, you just sort of feel like, I don't care what it takes. Unless right. I have two broken legs, day of, I am finishing this thing. Right. And I actually looked around at about mile 19 when I started breaking down, and I thought, all these people are walking. They're walking as fast as I'm running. That's right, how my right. both because my other knee broke down then because probably because I was favoring it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up a little bit of walk. But I guess that's not so unusual of no, people no, no. walking. And, and I think that um, I learned so much just sheer perseverance through it. When people say, what's the most tough thing you've done physically? Honestly, it's I mean, to spend months and going out for 18 mile runs and 20 mile runs, it's pretty grueling. But it's one of those things, again, I would say to a young woman, like, Listen, if I can run a marathon, right, anyone can do it. And that's all I wanted, really, was to complete, and I did. Yeah. And my fellow colleagues were pretty impressed, I think. They've, they're they still talking about it. Yeah. But How many of them have done it? I don't know. A couple, but not very many. Mm. Yeah. I like it. Well, you can add it to your badge of honor with all right? the other things that you Me are doing too. inside and outside the Capitol. Yeah. Thank you for making time to come talk to us. It's such it's a busy, important to time. See it. It, it's it's going to change every minute, minute to minute. It will. So who knows from what we've said today, by the time someone <laughs> Listening to this podcast, uh, who knows at what point in history we'll be. But we thank you for dropping in. Thanks. Senator Capito, always good to see you. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.